He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Today is, of course, the 21st anniversary of 9-11. And uh, let's pause for a moment and just recognize those 2,000 people who died and um, the firefighters and the police officers and the first responders who saved many of them. God bless um, the firefighters, we don't run from buildings on fire. We go into them. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. God bless them. Now, a lot of people are saying that the time we spent in Afghanistan was a waste of time and was, uh, was, was wrong. Now, of course, the withdrawal from Afghanistan was crazy and, uh, absolutely lunacy. Uh, you don't take the army out first, you take it out last mm-hmm. after you get your weapons and the civilians out of there. But the involvement in the decision to invade Afghanistan and the determination to stay there for 20 years is an historic achievement of unbelievable magnitude. And we should honor President George W. Bush for doing that. And we should honor, uh, believe it or not, Obama for not pulling out. And then especially honor Trump for figuring out how to stay there without losing any men. Mm-hmm. For 18 months, not a single American was killed. But he stayed there, and then Biden screwed it all up by panicking and fleeing and absolutely messing it up. And now Afghanistan's back as a terrorist base with al-Qaeda crawling all over the place. The important point about the Afghanistan war is that we were safe for 20 years. On 9-11, all of us were looking up in the sky when we heard a plane. All of us assumed they were going to come down on us again. Very, very soon. And uh, we literally wondered if it would happen this day or the next day. Uh, I was on Fox News all day that day, and people were always coming in and saying, oh, we're going to be hit again. Uh, How do we avoid being hit again? And it's because of our men and women in Afghanistan that we were not hit again. It's because they braved the Taliban, because they chased them out of the mountains, they crippled their capacity to do mayhem. And yeah, it was 15 years before they got Osama bin Laden, but he was hiding in a building in, in, uh, Pakistan, unable to do any harm. And, uh, his, his network had been dismantled, uh, their leadership killed with drone strikes for the most part. And this was one of the great accomplishments of the U.S. military and one of the great accomplishments of our political system, that we were able to respond this way. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me. And I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. There ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the 
And if any of you know or are involved with somebody who was wounded or injured or killed in Afghanistan, please honor them and please remember that their sacrifice was not in vain. Uh, those SOBs could have killed two, three, four, five thousand people a year. And for 20 years, we held them at bay. Mm. So they are responsible for saving tens and maybe even hundreds of thousands of lives. They were our guardians, they were our protectors, and we honor their service, even as we disdain the absolute terrible hypocrisy and total idiocy of the way Joe Biden left Afghanistan. And that legacy is not going to go away. We're going to be hit again and again now because of that. We have demonstrated a capacity to take out their terror leaders by drone strikes. But once we left that base in Afghanistan, we can no longer really spot the targets and we can no real, longer really fight the Taliban. Oh, that's so terrible. Um, it was horrible. Doug, uh, Doug DePiro, my artist, uh, musician. Doug DePiro, your hero? Hero, yeah. He's ir- irreplaceable and irrepressible. Where were you on 9-11? Naples, Florida, working in a beautiful mansion, you know, doing my artwork. And... It was unbelievable to everybody just, you know, you go out that day and everyone was just um, looking down and quiet. And, you know, I grew up in Yonkers and worked in the city since I'm uh, 17 years old. So the towers are big for me. I used to go there. It was like a date place, windows of the world. <laughs> and <laughs> don't, no, no funny stuff today. Yeah. Uh, he was going to say Spare something. Us. Yes. Right. Well, um, no, but anyway, it was hard to Eileen hear. and I went up a, two blocks from where we lived to the Red Cross headquarters to donate blood. And uh, we waited outside there with a group of maybe 50 or 100 people. And after two hours, the guy came out and said, please, all of you, thank you, but go home. We don't need any blood. I know you said that. Uh, there are no wounded people. They're either alive or oh, they're dead. God. So anyway, when, when I was in Naples, I wanted to get home to my children, get phones, get the whole, get them all set up, right? You couldn't fly out until the 19th, I think. I flew out of Fort Myers on 5.30 flight. Got home now. I had to interview, I had to look at a job in Times Square. I went down into the train station, you know, Grand Central. And I'm a New Yorker. I'll run around fast and more. Right when I got there and I saw all the pictures and all the things missing. I just put my head down and slowed myself down. Yeah. But that's my, it, it was yeah. horrible. Yeah. I flew in from Brazil where I was, uh, fighting against, uh, the communists really and, um, arrived, uh, at, at about 6.30 in the morning of 9-11 and, uh, got in the cab and went home to my house apartment in Manhattan and, uh, went to sleep because I'd been flying all night. And Eileen called me and told me to turn on the TV, and that was how 9-11 began for me. But let's all remember one fundamental fact about 9-11, which we must never, never overlook. Don't you know I'm still standing better than I ever did? Looking like a two survivor, feeling like a Ralph in New Jersey has a brilliant point I'd like to emphasize. 
Okay, uh, you know, 9-11 is a special day for this country. That would be it's uh, in infamy. Okay? Yes, in the collective memory of the, the country. Get your okay. point about legal action but, against but, the Saudis. Legal action. What, what, what's, you know, holding that back? What, what's getting in the way of, yeah. uh, you know, well, taking me, legal action against Saudi Arabia to redress the let, war? Let me tell you, Ralph. Uh, there was a... Um, there was a law that said that an individual American citizen could not sue a foreign government uh, under certain circumstances, <clears throat> and that was held to bar the lawsuit to recover uh, damages from 9-11. That lawsuit was overturned, was dismissed, and Congress passed a bill and Trump signed it, specifically allowing lawsuits by the survivors of 9-11 and their families against the Saudi government. And the establishment in Washington, the swamp, are all on the payroll of the Saudis and and in bed with the Saudis, and they they haven't acted on it. They won't pursue it. Uh, We passed a specific law allowing that. And what do you have to do to act on it? The government has to do it. And, it. uh, But there there is a private right of action. And there are lawsuits going up, and I'm not sure where they are. But there are lawsuits going on to take, to seize those assets. And they have all kinds of assets in the United States worth seizing. The reason the establishment is slow walking it is because we're dependent on the Saudis for oil. And we don't want to antagonize them. Uh, and, but next to what happened in 9-11, we should go ahead and antagonize them. Yeah, right. Yeah. Good for you. Um Oh, Judith in Brooklyn. Oh, hey, Judith. Judith. Hi, Judith. How are you? Hey. Hi, guys. Uh, good afternoon. Listen, I don't know what to tell you, but 9-11, we were attacked from without. But uh, we are now being attacked from within with this compromised commander in thief, okay? Yep. Because I'm reading your book, okay, um, which is a must-read for everyone. The book and is I have to tell the you, book is the return. Great book. Trump's big 2024 comeback, and uh, the sales were good. They were good, but then President Trump endorsed the book, uh, saying that uh, it offered a fascinating account of what's going to happen in the near future, meaning when he declares and runs. Today's a good day to think about. We need Trump back, and um, and then the sales soared. And uh, go ahead, Judith. I appreciate your call. Well, you know what? I appreciate your book more than ever because I'm basically, I've got three chapters left, okay, because I have to absorb and because I get distractions and I have to be able to be able to um, absorb everything you're writing. And so just to highlight some things, like, for instance, uh, we can kiss our elections goodbye if H.R. 1, Nancy Pelosi, this devious woman, if she would get her way with that bill and Chuck Schumer with S1. But uh, going forward, you write about PRO-ACT, okay? This bill has already passed in the House. And God forbid this passes, then, you know, all small businesses and everything, it just can down the drain. Everything is unionized, whatever. You explain it, it very it means carefully, that, very clearly. It means that mom-and-pop stores or people who work for themselves will be forced out of business and will all have to go on company payrolls That's what H1 and be unionized. Not H-1, but, yeah, the PRO Act. Go ahead, Judith. So, 
So here, Dick, this is something that I don't understand. You're the only one that I'm reading that you're writing about this. Nothing else. I do know from Rudy Giuliani that uh, Biden took thirty one million dollars from China. But then you write about something that Biden launched in 2017, right yeah. after he was vice president. Yeah. Um, he launched a center. It's called the Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. It's in Pennsylvania. It's a university in Pennsylvania. This is outrageous. And, and he, start, he funded it with $22 million grant from anonymous sources in China yeah. and has since then gotten almost $100 million from anonymous sources in China. And Biden, raid his house. and Biden was on the payroll of that group to the tune of a million dollars a year. And Tony Blinken, our Secretary of State, was on the payroll of that group for four years. So basically the Biden foreign policy establishment used to be employees of the Chinese Communist Party. And Hunter Biden's laptop is a big deal, but this is a bigger deal. Wow. Judith, I got to go to a break. Bless Thank you, you for Judith. calling. Thank you. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Okay, we'll so give me that. a call at 800-848-WABC, 848-9222, and join our conversation. We're joined today by Leora Levy, L-E-V-Y, who is the Republican candidate against Dick Blumenthal for the Senate in Connecticut. Hi, Leora. Hi, Dick. How are you? I'm great. Hi, uh, Leora. I have a new slogan for you. <laughs> call him. All right. Call him Bidenthal. Dick Biden Fall. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I call him the Blumenthal Blight, but I like Biden. I know, but That's call great. him Biden Fall. The important thing Perfect. is for us to wrap Joe Biden around his neck. Yes. Republican well, he, candidates. They are attached at the hip. Republican yeah. candidates are not doing that around the country and it's hurting them. Uh, they've got to make this a race against Joe Biden. And there'd be nothing better than for you to call him Biden Thaw. Yeah, right. And remind people that he votes to support President Biden's proposals and ideas almost a hundred percent of the time. I think it's ninety eight or something like that. Correct. Ninety eight point one if you want to be precise, but mm-hmm. ninety eight's close enough. So you like Biden Thaw? They do not, not where I am. I'm I'm actually here. I mean, at, do you like uh, the name? Yeah. Do I? Yes, yeah. I love the name. Good. I, and I Good. will I will give you full credit when I use it. You don't, you don't got to give yourself full credit. Okay. Okay, we have a song for you. I do believe I'm feeling stronger every day. I know we really have tried. Yeah, we had love inside. Oh, yeah. Getting stronger every day. Getting stronger, absolutely, and I feel it on the ground. It's great on the ground here in Connecticut. Don't pay attention to to those pundits. Leora began as an insurgent candidate against the party establishment, uh, and she said that she was sick of Republicans who roll over and play dead, and their assigned function 
is to be the nominal opposition uh, so that people can say, oh, this is bipartisan, meaning the Democrats and the Democrat lookalikes. And she beat the, her Republican opponent. She got the nomination. President Trump supports her thoroughly. And she is going to win this race because this is one of those sleeper races that's going to come along strong. I did a poll to assess her chances, and I found that 49% of the people in Connecticut said that it was time to have someone new, and only 44% said re-elect Senator Bidenthal. I think I called him Blumenthal. Re-elect Senator Bidenthal. <laughs> got it wrong, Dick. Got Come it on. Got it right. And, uh, and, and that means that they are going to vote against him. They just don't know Leora's name and yet. she's great, too. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Leora. Well, I, I was born in Havana, Cuba. I escaped Castro and She told communism. me she's a, she's a, a Jewish, a, what do you call you? A Jubin. A Jubin. <laughs> I love that. I'm Jewish. A new ethnic group, the Jubins. <laughs> yes. Well, my mother, my mother and my grandparents escaped the Nazis. Wow. In 1940, and and were not admitted into the United States because of the quota for Jews. They were going to be sent back to to Europe, but they managed to get visas to Cuba. God bless. So, so they that that's how my mother's family got to Cuba. Twenty years later, Castro oh my God. in a violent revolution, a communist revolution, and we had to again escape. We escaped communism, and that at that point, I was three years old. My first lesson in communism was when they told me I couldn't bring my new tricycle nor my dog. Two things that I, the only things I cared about as a three-year-old. So I under I understand redistribution. I hope you don't have to move again, Leora. I hope not. I'm planning to stay put here, and that's yeah. why I'm running. Good when I talk you. to my 91-year-old father, he says to me, Leora, if this country goes communist, where do we go next? Nowhere. And Nowhere. that is why I am running. God so, make uh, sure this country tell, doesn't. Tell us a little bit about uh, what the, how, how you feel about Bidenthal and, uh, and why you're, what you're going to do differently and your thoughts on 9-11. All right. Well, you know, my opponent – is on the wrong side of every issue. As you said, he votes with Biden 98% of the time. He supports all of the policies that have made life unaffordable, that have created the inflation that all of us are suffering from. He is against Amer- American energy independence. I, su- I think we should be producing more energy in our country. We were energy independent before Biden was inaugurated. We produce it more cleanly than any other country in the world. Why in the world wouldn't you want clean American embassy energy, excuse me, and American jobs? And 9-11, so, are. 9-11, look, we're all Americans. Those terrorists who flew the planes into, into the buildings didn't care who was in those buildings. They didn't care whether they were Republicans or Democrats or unaffiliated independents. They hated all Americans. So today, we are remembering that. But we also remember what happened a year ago today when Biden foolishly withdrew from Afghanistan and left the, the Taliban, terrorists who attacked us, who gave haven to the terrorists who, who, attacked, who actually attacked us, left them in charge of Afghanistan again, left them with $8 billion of um, sophisticated Le- Leor, American I'm, military. I'm bound by... 
the station yeah. makes me limit interviews with candidates to five minutes. Okay. So, oh, sorry. And you had Dick Morris minutes. They were a little long. <laughs> All right. But, sorry. Uh, okay. So let me talk about you so for the great, remaining Leo, five minutes. Thank you, Leo. So great. Thank uh, you for having me, Dick. I really appreciate it. This, I thank all of your listeners. This woman can win. Uh, we have uh, we have some races in the Senate, which are the toss-up races that everybody's focusing on. And we're doing well in those. Herschel Walker in Georgia now is three points ahead. Um, Oz in Pennsylvania is now, within a statistical margin of error, tied. Uh, the uh, I'm sorry, go back to the takeaways. Kelly... Uh, is now uh, falling behind Masters in Arizona. Uh, uh, Laxalt is ahead of Mastos Custos in, no, of uh, Correa Mastos in Nevada. And there's a primary going on in New Hampshire, and we'll see who wins that, but we'll have a good shot there. But that's four seats. That gives us 54 senators. But we can get more. And Leora Levy, Michael Bennett, from Colorado, and Tiffany Smiley, a funny name, but her name, from Washington State, are the three candidates that can win the Senate seats that nobody's paying attention to. And the swamp isn't giving them money because they're all Trump candidates. Uh, and we need everybody to rally behind Leora Levy. And uh, this program gets into Connecticut a lot. And if you're in Fairfield County where the station reaches, uh, nobody can afford to buy TV there. Nobody can afford to run ads except for Bidenthal. He can do it. But uh, Leora can't yet. And we need you to carry the word on the ground that what you can do to save America, to change the face of the Marxist socialist direction we're moving in, to stop 87,000 IRS agents from haunting your life, to restore energy independence so you don't die every time you put gas in your car, to bring inflation down to the 2% it was under Biden. The way to do all of that is to elect Leora Levy to the Senate because she will be a key vote there, and uh, she will she may make the difference. These other candidates may not come in, but Leora Levy can come in. Connecticut is not a blue state. Uh, Connecticut until recently had a Republican governor, a series of them. Uh, it until recently had a re- two Republican congressmen. And the ground has shifted, and I'm telling you, not based on hunch or rhetoric, but based on actual polling, Leora Levy can win. So look up her website and give her money. Uh, she absolutely can do it. And um, I, I can't tell you strongly enough how great this lady is. Download the 77 WABC mobile app now. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. What would you do without me? Secret agent man, secret agent man. I'm the secret agent man now. Side joke. So Leora Levy, her website is Leora, L-I-O-R-A, 4, F-O-R, C-T, abbreviation for Connecticut, dot com. That's L, 
Leora. L E. L E. Did I say a lie? Yes. L E O R A. L E O R A. F O R C T dot com. L E O R A. F O R C T dot com. And, and donations of up to $20 million are accepted. <laughs> Actually up to, I think, about 7500 but they'll tell you about it. Um, there is a very important twist. These next two stories I'm going to talk about are vitally important. I only did them later because of 9-11. Um, the entire Mar-a-Lago document scandal is something we are looking at from the wrong perspective from the exact wrong direction. Donald Trump did not take those documents from Mar-a-Lago for his scrapbook. <laughs> or for, he's not writing a book. He didn't take them for memorabilia to show his grandkids. He took the documents for one reason, because he thought that they show and prove the FBI collusion with the Russian collusion scandal, the hoax, with the FBI providing wrong information to the FISA court to get wiretaps on Trump's staff, and the FBI wiretapping Trump's campaign and the White House after he left, after he took office illegally. And he believed and believes now that those documents contain proof of that. And that's why he took them with him. And that is why the FBI seized them. Ah. That is why the FBI went through the door at Mar-a-Lago and spent nine hours searching through uh, Melania's underwear drawer. Uh, their goal was to was to see get those documents before Trump could make them public, and their goal there was defense, not offense. Donald Trump was acting against the FBI, attacking him. And but was not acting against the FBI attacking him. He was acting to attack the FBI. The issue here isn't will the FBI indict Donald Trump. The question is will Donald Trump indict the FBI? That's what this is about, folks. And um, <clears throat> it's time for Trump to get off defense on this and start playing offense. And he will very soon. Um, the judge's opinion, Judge Cannon, that says they can't use this material as investigative evidence against Donald Trump, okay, is half the story. Donald Trump can use it for investigative material against the FBI. Yeah, your friend John Jordan why, talked about this. And that is why they seized the documents. Uh, John Jordan, who we, we've had on the show a lot and will continue, uh, was just on my news, my Newsmax show, Democracy, yesterday. He'll be on today after this show. And he, when well, one o'clock. On, on, news, on Newsmax. On Newsmax. Uh-huh. And he, uh, he elaborates this idea that this is essentially turning the tables completely. And that that's what Trump has to do, and that's the reality of what's going on here. So remember that. Mar-a-Lago documents are not about did Donald Trump 
monkey with national security. They are about, did the FBI break the law by intervening in a political campaign in 2016 and in the opening years of the Trump presidency in trying to disgrace, degrade, and impeach the president of the United States. That's what this is all about. What an amazing turnaround. Uh, Joe from Long Island, uh, tell me. Yes, good afternoon. Um, I just wanted to, I wanted to let off some steam, if you don't mind. Do the Republicans in Washington have a pulse? Yes. I want to know, where, where is the unified line of attack by the Republicans against the Biden administration well, going into the 2022 midterms? Joe, the key thing is that they are now, they're running as individuals. They're not running against Joe Biden. Uh, they're running against their opponents, and that's a big mistake. Uh, they're running against, uh, Oz is running against Fetterman, saying he's too sick to be governor, he won't come out and debate. That's not how to win this election. The way to win this election is to say that Fetterman is a stand-in for Joe Biden. You've got one of the most unpopular presidents of the modern era. Run against them and label your opponents against them. Uh, Vance needs in Ohio needs to go after Ryan and saying you're a clone for Joe Biden. Ryan, the Democrat, just gave a TV interview where he said maybe we got to get rid of Biden and we can't run with him in, in 2024. He also said get rid of Trump. But the point is a Democrat said get rid of Biden as the head of the party. So the Republican candidates need to start running against Joe Biden. That's why I was on with Leora Levy, the Republican candidate in Connecticut. And I said, don't run against Dick Blumenthal. Run against Dick Bidenthal <laughs> and funny. hang Biden's record around his yeah. neck until he chokes on it. <laughs> um, let's go to uh, Loretta in Rye. Hi, Loretta. Hi. Um, right now, I'm like Joe. I'm seeming. I had the TV on this morning, and they were showing him the bimbo speaking about <laughs> Shanksville and all that crap. Oh. And he's going after Trump. I was like, oh, my oh God. God. I couldn't take it. What did he say? I can't remember because I got too upset. I had oh. a shut the Horrible. He was horrible. I said, this is, this is getting ridiculous. Yeah. And one other thing, this country, I can't believe this country. I mean, I could go on for hours. But one other thing, do you think these 800,000 IRS are not a police force that Obama wanted to do years ago, that this is their way? Why are they armed? Yeah, well, absolutely. There are 87,000, and they will be armed. They and, have pencils. Uh, the only reason that they're there is to harass and intimidate Republicans right. like they did 10 years ago under under Lois Lerner when they put the Tea Party out of business. That's in your book, isn't it? Dave? Yeah, it's it's all over my book, yeah. uh, The Return, and discuss that. And I also talk on 9-11 about the way the Biden administration has compromised our national security and tied our hands in going after these terrorists. One very good example of that was I had a caller earlier today who said, why aren't we suing the Saudis for damages to the 9-11 families? The answer is Joe Biden and his foreign policy establishment won't let us read all about it in the return. Energy independent. Now, there's something very important going on, very, very important. And uh, I want to go and discuss it at some length. 
This is the song being sung by Vladimir Putin. This is the new national anthem of Russia. (laughs) Putin. The Russian 49th Army Group is pinned down with its back to the west bank of the Dnieper River. Supplies, spare parts, and reinforcements have to cross the wide and fast-moving river from the Russian railheads and depots on the east side to the troops on the west side. And the bridges have all been blown up by Ukrainian artillery and HIMARS fire. There is no visible means of resupply or escape for the ten to 20,000 Russian troops on the western side, the Ukrainian side of the river. They are trapped. Wow. They are trapped. And that's a force that is equal to 25% of the total Red Army in Ukraine. One out of every four soldiers are now facing POW camp. Wow. Uh, a Stalingrad-style surrender of an entire army group uh, could absolutely destroy the Soviet army, the Red Army, and take with it Vladimir Putin. And that's only half the story. Up north in the Kharkiv theater, Ukraine has conquered Kubiansk, the vital rail juncture over which Russian troops must be resupplied with food and weapons. And Russian troops, as of this writing, are evacuating the main city right near there. It's amazing. Russian resistance throughout Ukraine is rapidly melting away. This is the conclusion from my intel source, John Jordan who is formerly of naval intelligence, That's a smart man. who uh, is fluent in Russian and spends his spare time, great life, uh, monitoring Russian TV and monitoring Russian radio and uh, Russian social media posts in Russian to understand what's happening. As a former military officer, Russian speaker, and student of Russian society, he says that some of Russia's failure to resist is willful and represents a decision by many Russian officers to look the other way as Ukrainian units bypass them. He says also that Ukrainian military has made contact with a slew of Russian commanders and is negotiating at a minimum informal truces where they agree to look the other way as the Ukrainians pass by and not and the return Ukraine will not shell their positions. In any event, Jordan says the Russian offense is coming to a very rapid halt. Now, he says this will not be a Berlin-style battle for the capital at the end, uh, a a great uh, gigantic fight. But he does say the cracks are already evident in the edifice of Putin's power. On September 7th, this has not been reported in the U.S., a group of seven lawmakers who sit on the St. Petersburg District Council, second largest city in Russia and Putin's hometown, demanded that Putin be charged with high treason for launching the invasion 200 days ago. They've now been arrested by the the Russian police, and they have to answer for charges of why they discredited Russia's armed forces. But that's something the Russian army is doing pretty well on its own. Um, Events are moving fast in Ukraine and the political change may be looming any day now. uh, Jordan writes, The West should bear in mind that there will be no uprising by the Russian people yearning for democracy in this case. That's not how Russia works in the 21st century. 
the regime change will come from within. A group of members of the security apparatus with support from the military. Their goal will be to preserve the current Russian economic system and their own power and privilege and prevent a general uprising by preempting it and bringing about an end to the sanctions regime before the Russian economy unwinds completely. But I want to quote Leon Trotsky, the founder of the Red Army, the number two guy in the Russian Revolution under Stalin. Everybody thought that he might be the successor to Lenin. He said, revolution is impossible until it becomes inevitable. Revolution is impossible until it becomes inevitable. Wow. And uh, that's what's going on now in Russia. And I believe the credit for this belongs heavily on the shoulders of Donald J. Trump. Because at the very start of his presidency, you'll recall, he went to Germany to attend in person a NATO summit meeting. And at the time, he was saying, if you guys aren't willing to put up money for your own defense, we're not going to fill the breach. You have to take action to defend yourselves. And then we'll come in and we'll assist your efforts. And he said that unless each NATO country, specifically mentioning Germany and France, meet their quota, which is to spend 2% of their GDP on defense with NATO, we were going to take our troops out of Europe, <coughs> which scares the hell out of the Europeans. And he was condemned roundly. Everybody said, you you screwed it up, your first appearance on the foreign stage. It's backfiring big time, and it shows what an inept leader you are. Uh, but within two years, every one of those allies anteed up to the 2%. The NATO, the NATO commander said that it raised over $200 billion for NATO by Trump excoriating them. And then Trump unloaded on Merkel, who was then the British chancellor, the German chancellor, for approving the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And he said at some point they will cut that pipeline off to punish Germany and discipline it to stop it from defending freedom in Europe. And why should we have... 50 or 100,000 troops in Germany to defend you when you're deliberately making yourself dependent mm. on Soviet oil and gas wow. by approving this pipeline. Remember, the only purpose of the pipeline was to go under the Baltic Sea so it would go directly from Russia to Germany. Right. There's plenty of pipeline capacity going through Ukraine to Germany. But the Russians were saying they didn't want to do that because they were afraid Ukraine would cut it off. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to be able to cut it off without punishing Ukraine, but with punishing Germany. So that's why they built, built this underwater. And right now the pipeline has been shut off at both ends, actually. And, uh, it's, it's, it's exactly the danger that Trump said it was. Trump is brilliant. But this victory. Is incredible. We'll talk about it after this break. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's PriorityGoldGuide.com. 
He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Not so secret anymore. Yeah, not so secret. Secret agent, of course, refers to the role I played basically guiding the Trump campaign in 2020. And it was secret, and I only revealed it and explained what I did in my new book, uh, The Return, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback. Oh, please. And in that book, I have a whole chapter of me and Trump is the title, and I talk about my background in relationship with him, how I know him personally, what I think of him personally. And let me say this, just uh, I want to go back to uh, to the uh, thing we were talking about, about Ukraine. But Trump has changed. Uh, I've known him so well for so many decades. And I think that that over the last two years, Trump has become more mature, wiser, more sophisticated, and more cautious. I talk to him maybe twice a week, and we discuss things that he might do. And he's always saying, well, think about that a minute. He's like the same brilliant chess player he's always been. Mm. But he keeps his hand on the piece for an extra second or two before he takes it away to ratify that move. Ah, He doesn't just quickly say bishop to rook three or something. Uh, He instead holds his hand on the piece, and then takes it off. There's a there's a pause there that wasn't there before. He still goes ahead and does it, which is great. Doesn't compromise his instincts. That's but what makes him great. He's changed a little bit for the better. Uh, okay, what is the impact going to be of the fall of Ukraine, or the saving of Ukraine, <clears throat> and the fall of the Russian army? This The impact of this cannot even begin to be gauged. It's as significant as the fall of the Berlin Wall. Uh, it's as important as the fall of the Soviet Union and the collapse of communism. It means that the biggest threat to the United States' freedom, the Red Army, the Russian Army, is now gone. That they are broken up, they're undermined, they've collapsed, they've caved in, they've proven themselves to be impotent. Not well-read. And Russia is now what Nixon called, said the U.S. has to no longer be, a helpless, pitiful giant. Uh, what he meant by that is that all we could do is launch a nuclear weapon and blow up the world and destroy ourselves. But if all you can do is to commit suicide, you're not a particularly effective warrior. And there's nothing you can do. You're stuck there with all these nuclear weapons, and you know if you use them, you're killing yourself. So... Russia is impotent, and it's completely dependent on oil and its own irresponsible actions in cutting off energy to Europe are accelerating the independent movement to move away from oil and gas. Uh, Europe, which the United States has already, but Europe, which, which bought 40, 40% of their gas and oil came from Russia, is whittling it down, and by 2023, 
it'll be zero. It'll be damn close to zero. And uh, they're beefing up nuclear power, wind, solar, and importing American natural gas. We're building liquefied natural gas terminals to turn our gas into a liquid that can be loaded onto a ship just like oil and sail anywhere around the world. And we are going to increase our supplies of natural gas to Europe by about 30 or 40 percent over the next year. And what that's doing is going to put Russia out of business. Their economy is going to fall apart completely. Half of their economy is oil and gas, and they've just killed it. The damage Putin has done to this that, that country is unbelievable. Interesting. Now, what does that mean? First of all, cross Russia off the map. Just cross it off as an adversary of the United States. Then understand what that does to Iran. It exposes their northern border. Their only sponsor in the world, Russia, has gone away. And they are, and they're basically alone. Wow. And the Chinese no longer have the Russians on their flank and no longer can fall back on Russian military power. And while China crafts an independent course separate from Russia, and they actually almost went to war a few years ago, the the loss of Russia completely degrades the Chinese communist threat. At the same time that they're making great strides internationally and they're infiltrating the United States and they have a client in Joe Biden, client in Joe Biden, by oh, the way. God. In my book, The Return, I expose, and I don't think people know this. Forget Hunter Biden. That's a good story. But Biden, when he left the vice presidency, founded something called the Biden Institute for Peace and Diplomacy. And it was in the University of Pennsylvania. And it was founded with a $22 million grant from China. <laughs> and then another $100 million subsequently from China. And Biden was on the payroll to a million dollars a year. And so is Blinken, the Secretary of State, was on the payroll. So the entire Biden foreign policy establishment's previous employer was the Chinese Communist Party. Hmm. And they were paid a salary through the University of Pennsylvania. University of Pennsylvania won't reveal where the money from China went. We know they got it, but they won't confirm that it went to the Biden Institute. But that's a lot more likely than it went to the English Literature Department. <laughs> and, and, the, and the point is that uh, they will not release this. And to bolster them in not releasing it, Biden appointed the head of the University of Pennsylvania to be his ambassador to Switzerland. So she's on a mountaintop someplace, and she won't release that information. Pay to play? Well, pay to pay to undermine America. Yeah. Uh, this, this isn't just play. Yeah, yeah uh, right. This is basically buying the next president of the United States. So that strengthens China, but China is on the ropes now because Russia is collapsing. The other thing that's happening in China that's very important that we mustn't overlook is their economy is falling apart. China did very well 20 years ago under Deng Xiaoping, where they moved away from the Maoist, communist, socialist economic model and embraced capitalism. And they soared under that. Their high-tech industry became dominant in the world, and it became the China we know today. But four year, three years ago, the current leader, Xi Jinping, 
stopped that. He reversed it. He got put the capitalist businesses out of business, and he put the communist, socialist-controlled businesses back in charge. And the predictable result is that China's economy is falling apart. They have Their trade deficit is evaporating. Their GDP is declining. They're in recession. Wow. And, uh, and it's very possible that China, uh, won't last economically for several more years, uh, because it's gone from the powerhouse to the poorhouse. And that is largely because of Donald Trump's policies of the sanctions against China, the, the trade sanctions, not sanctions, but the tariffs. We imposed a 25% tariff on all Chinese imports that screwed up their balance of trade and about 10% of their GDP came from their trade surplus with the United States. So they had to kiss that goodbye because of Trump's actions and because of supply chain disruptions brought on by COVID. So China is on the ropes. Russia is knocked out. Iran is isolated and Kim Jong-un can kiss his nuclear weapons and that's all he's got. And he can sit in his rocket man frozen paradise for the rest of his life. But that's about all he can do. So the collapse of the Red Army, the collapse of Russia is incredible. Now, will Putin be overthrown? Uh, John Jordan says the revolution will not be a revolution. It'll be an internal change brought about by the military and the security services there. But I don't believe he's right. I think that Trotsky's line, revolution is impossible until it becomes inevitable. And this country has had its economy destroyed, its economic growth eliminated. Sanctions have completely decimated their country. Their oil and gas monopoly is about to mean nothing. Their army has collapsed. Wow, this is amazing. So you don't think there'll be a revolution? Uh, I don't agree with you. I think that there will be one. I think it's going to wash them away. So the bad guys are losing and the good guys are winning. And it's got nothing to do with Biden. It's happening despite him. It's happening, frankly, because of the permanence of Trump's contributions, the beefing up of NATO, the uh, trash-talking the Nord Stream pipeline Mm -hmm. that put a spotlight on it that enabled the Germans to close it down, even though it means a frosty winter, Uh, the uh, trade sanctions against China, All of this is coming together, and it's having an effect. He's out of office, but his effect certainly is lingering. Thank you, Dick. Honor. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.